Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich, and all I do is look at the big picture. The other day, I gave an inspirational speech to the telephone repairman. And I'm film scholar and captive audience for your witless prattle, Noelle LaCroix. <laughs> and we're here today to talk about Lies My Parents Told Me, the 17th episode of season seven. Lies My Parents Told Me aired on March 25th, 2003, and was written by David Fury and Drew Goddard and directed by David Fury. Still Pretty is a fully spoiled, full spectrum Buffy podcast. So if you haven't seen all of the show, go take care of that. And the three of us will teach those snobs and elitists with their falderall just uh, what the three of us? Yes. You, me and mother. You want to bring your mom with us? Yeah, you'll like her. <laughs> to eat, you mean? Let's go on patrol. In Lies My Parents Told Me, we open with Spike fighting Nikki Wood in a rain-drenched Central Park while a young Robin Wood watches from behind a bench. Spike runs off to give Nikki a second to tell young Robin that she needs to go, and she's going to leave him with her watcher, Crowley. Robin doesn't want to leave her, but she tells him she has to do this. The mission is what matters. Cut to the present moment where Robin fights vampires in an alley alongside Spike and Buffy. After it's over, Spike helps Robin up and gives him some advice. Stake's your friend. Don't be afraid to use it. The next day at school, Buffy goes into Robin's office and lets him know that shutting down the seal was successful, but the fight isn't over. Giles shows up very distressed about all the computers in the library and also that Buffy removed Spike's chip and now they've got to deal with Spike's trigger. Giles brought back a magical what's-it from England that may help them disarm it, but who knows? It's all so confusing. So he has a trigger, a soul, and a chip? Not anymore. It was killing him, Giles. The trigger. No, the chip, the trigger's not active anymore. Because the military gave him a soul. Back at the house, they set up the magical detriggering in the basement. They chain Spike to the wall, and Giles puts a magic stone worm into Spike's brain to reveal the root of the trigger's power. Spike's not sure it's working, but then he watches a memory of him reading his love poetry to his mother, which is a little weird, but she's clearly into it, so okay. She follows up her praise by coughing blood into a handkerchief. Spike wants to get the doctor, but she knows she's done for, so she tells him not to worry. He sits by her side, and she begins singing Spike's trigger song. Back in the basement, Spike vamps out and attacks, giving Dawn a good conk on the head, but then the magical stoneworm thingy pops out of his eyeball, and he's back to being regular deadly Spike. He tells everyone about his mother and about the song, and that's good enough for Buffy. Meanwhile, upstairs, the potentials fret about training with a triggered Spike. And why is he still alive again? Don't waste your time down that road. Spike's got some sort of get-out-of-jail-free card that doesn't apply to the rest of us. I mean, he could slaughter a hundred frat boys and... Forgiveness makes us human. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. In the basement, while Buffy and Giles argue about unchaining Spike from the wall, Spike remembers being in his mother's house with Drew, talking of the three of them tearing a bloody swath through Europe. You, you want to bring your mum with us? At that moment, his mother walks into the living room, telling Spike about how worried she's been at his disappearance. He tells his mother that he's become a vampire, and he wants to make her one, too, so they can be together forever. It only hurts. Willow gets a call from Angel's Camp in Los Angeles and tells Buffy she's going to need to take off for a couple of days. 
Buffy tells her to hurry back, then goes to unchain Spike despite Giles' objections. She angrily leads Spike upstairs, and Robin takes Giles aside and says that Spike is a problem. He tells Giles who he is and asks for Giles' help distracting Buffy while he kills Spike. Later that night, Giles goes patrolling with Buffy to train. Buffy isn't sure about leaving Spike with Robin, but Giles distracts her by telling her that her life is chaos, and clearly she's a hot mess without his guidance. You know, the kind of thing an abuser says to get control of his victim. But let's just skip past that, because for now, we're pretending that this is perfectly acceptable behavior from Giles. Back at Robin's, he leads Spike into his garage, which is lined with wooden crosses. It's the hell mouth, Spike. You can never be too careful. Robin goes to the cutest little old early aughts iMac you have ever seen, y'all, and cues up Spike's trigger song, which I'm guessing he got using some of that classic super fast 56K baud dial-up internet access with that brand new Safari browser, which took him straight to Napster, where a digital copy of the old folk ditty was just there, waiting to be pirated. Technology is fucking magic, y'all. Anyway, back to Robin's plan. Deliberately hitting Spike's trigger seems like a bit of a high-risk strategy, but I'm guessing Robin Wood didn't show up in Sunnydale to not take vengeance on his mother's brutal death, so no flag on the play. Robin takes off his shirt, suits up with some weapons and armor, tells Spike that he wants to kill the monster who took his mother away from him, and hits play in fucking iTunes. There he is. Spike flashes back to his mother, all effulgent in her vampire form. At first, he's excited about their future together, but it turns out she's kind of sick of having him hanging on to her apron strings. She wants to leave him, but not before mocking his poetry and trying to, you know, have sex with him, as you do. We intercut with the memory of his mother's mockery and sexual abuse as Spike allows Robin to beat the shit out of him, shouting about how Spike killed his mother. Spike doesn't fight back. While Spike lies on the ground, barely breathing as he remembers his mother's sexual assault, Robin removes Nikki's coat off Spike's back and breaks part of a wooden cross off the wall. Meanwhile, while Buffy is distracted fighting a new vampire, Giles lectures Buffy about her approach to this fight and her defense of Spike, even though he may jeopardize their chances of winning. Back at Robin's, Spike relives the brutal memory of his mother as a vampire and stakes her. He wakes up and fights back, and once Robin is beat up enough to stay down for a bit, Spike says he was a vampire, Robin's mother was a slayer, and he's not sorry. He plays the song again and doesn't change. Thanks, Doc. You killed me after all. I got my own free will now. I'm not under the first or anyone else's influences now. I just wanted you to know that before I kill you. In the graveyard, Giles continues to lecture Buffy about Spike while she fights the vampire, and Buffy realizes what he's doing. She runs away from Giles to go save Spike and finds him putting Nikki Wood's coat back on as he leaves Robin's garage. He pushes the door open and reveals Robin crumpled against the wall, beaten but alive. Spike says he let him live because he killed Robin's mother, but next time he will kill him. Buffy goes to Robin and kindly tells him that she understands why he did what he did, but she's fighting a war and Spike's her strongest warrior. If Robin tries any of these shenanigans again, Spike will kill Robin. More importantly, she'll let him. She doesn't have time for vendettas. The mission is what matters. Back at home, Buffy checks in on a sleeping dawn and when she steps out into the hallway, Giles is there. He starts to talk, but she interrupts him to tell him that Spike is alive. What I told you is still true. You need to learn... No. 
I think you've taught me everything I need to know. All right, Noelle. So here we are with Lies My Parents Told Me. We have lived through the doldrums of season seven. Storyteller last week being this triumphant return to form. And here we are with Lies My Parents Told Me. And I got to know, what do you think about this episode? I love this episode. I love this Mm -hmm. episode so much, Um, which is funny because my impression of this episode is men will literally write episodes of television like this instead of going to therapy. But there's something so great about it. And I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I I love this episode. I love the conflict with Robin, who loses none of his goodness through this turn. I like Buffy's conflict with Giles, even though I don't like that it turns on Giles being the new conflict vending machine, filling that role that they had Joyce in for a really long time. Um, But I do like, you know, the 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 difference in philosophy and vision of this fight from two people who deeply love and respect each other. If, if the way that Giles had handled it had been differently, I really, really would love this, this conflict between them. Um, And I also love willing go. And I also love Willow going to Los Angeles. I mean, it's a tiny little point and it has to do more with what's happening on Angel than it does anything else. But it means she's coming back with Faith. And now the Faith (laughs) erasure stops because Faith is going to exist again in the world of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I love it. I love that we don't get much of our supporting cast in this episode. But what we do get is so fantastic they are so completely themselves i think mm-hmm. xander anya and andrew have one line each maybe yeah but they're just the epitome of who those characters are for the tiny mm-hmm. tiny moment that they're on forgiveness screen. is what makes us human bloody blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love all of that stuff. Um, One of my favorite things about this episode is the relationship in this, the episodic story here, we have an antagonist and a protagonist. We have Spike, who is our protagonist. He's just trying to, you know, figure out what's going on and and not be a danger anymore. And Robin, of course, wants to kill him. Um, And I love this fight between them. I love all of this buildup because I'm with both Robin and Spike during that fight. Um, You know, Spike murdered Robin's mother when he was just a little boy. And Spike is a vampire, soul or not. And he has been killing people. Like, I don't think Robin's really out of line here. I mean, aside from not trusting Buffy, but he hasn't known Buffy that long. His mother and his loss are going to be more important to him at this point than Buffy or even necessarily this particular fight. Um, At the same time, like I'm also with Spike. He was a vampire. He can't change what he's done. He has changed what he will do. Like he went out and got a soul, which is, you know, all he can do. He's not willingly killing or hurting anyone. Um, He's just there to be part of this fight and to help out. Um, And I think that some of the best antagonist protagonist pairings you get uh, is where we sympathize with and understand both sides of it. And I think they do that really, really well here. Um, The only thing here I think that makes Spike win out over Robin is, you know, there's the delight armor, of course, we're not actually going to kill Spike. Um, But it's that Robin is motivated by the past, which cannot be changed. And Spike is motivated by the future, which can. And we make a lot of commentary throughout the run of Buffy on vengeance and the moral splashback of vengeance. So even while you sympathize with Robin, you know that vengeance is a problem, you know, um, 
And the thing is, is that the past is the past. You have to move on from it. Whatever regrettable things may have happened, even things you may have done, it's over. You have to let go and move on because there is no other choice. And I like the way that they address that with Spike. I like the fact that Spike isn't riddled with guilt over this. When he is walking out of that thing like a badass, taking the jacket back Mm -hmm. that belonged to Nikki Wood, but which he claims as his own, Um, It's a really nice moment because he's not doubled over in apology. This happened. Yeah, it sucks, but it's what it was. He was a vampire. She was a slayer. That was how it worked. She knew what the deal was. And that was how the game was played. And he just kind of walks away with that. And I like it. It's a really fascinating dynamic that the two of them Mm -hmm. have and their relationship to each other in this episode is so fascinating because Mm -hmm. they're both dealing with similar sets of feelings, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's fascinating that the thing that makes both of these mothers so damaging to their sons is that they want more than motherhood. (gasps) Yeah, which is a crime. I know. I know. It's so, it is so fascinating. Like these two, these two dudes actually have a lot in common, but yeah, they have to punch each other about it instead of talking about it. Not that, (laughs) not that Robin would be super inclined to have a conversation Mm -hmm. with the man slash demon who killed his mother when he was four. Um, Mm -hmm. But they, they both have a lot. They, Mm, they have a lot in common with their complicated feelings about their mothers. And is yeah. that interesting? <laughs> I don't know. It is really interesting. And I mean, Spike draws that direct correlation. He's like, unlike you, I had a mother who loved me. Which is so cruel. It's so cruel, it but it's is. also so Spike because Spike is in so much denial about the Norman Bates type relationship he has with his own mother. Mm-hmm. So then he's going to put this yeah. on. See, I would argue that that not that it's a contest, but that perhaps mm-hmm. Nikki Wood loved her son more than. Do we well, know Nikki Wood, what do we do? Nikki Wood. Yeah. Nikki Wood had the nerve to have her own identity, her own mission aside from her son. And then we Mm -hmm. had Spike's mother who was, you know, while she was human, completely devoted to Spike, you know, I mean, was completely all about him, would listen to that terrible music, terrible poetry, um, you know, and just loved him. And her entire life was about him. Um, And I find this because textually, What this episode is saying is that a mother with a mission is the bad mother. Yeah. And a mother who subsumes her entire identity to her children or child is the good mother. And I find that narrative, first of all, super prevalent culturally. Like this is an absolutely accepted mothers are supposed to sacrifice everything of themselves to their children. And having anything of themselves makes them immediately a bad, selfish, horrible mother. Um, And I find it, I find it really interesting um, because that is an unquestioned idea in this episode. Well, and what's interesting about Spike's mother, too, is that she doesn't have a choice. She's sick. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she she tells she tells us that she was housebound. Mm-hmm. So where the hell is she going to go? Not she doesn't. Yeah. There's not 
you know, she talks about him not having another woman in his life, but she doesn't seem to have anybody. Now, is no. that on purpose? Like, is there, is, is this relationship as um, interesting and problematic as vampire Spike's mom leads us to believe? I'm inclined to think yeah. yes, mm-hmm. but she didn't have for for whatever whatever else is going on there she didn't have the ability mm-hmm. maybe physically to go anywhere else or have to any separate other from spike yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. the that wasn't an option for that her. was not an option for her so i don't know i mean it's also it, there's also the fascinating conversation to be had about the the separation of the vampire self and the human self and spike kind of mm-hmm. dials that back for us we've sort of over the course of this series kind of built up this understanding of vampires as being kind of a a complex mixture yeah. of who the person was and yet like this person but without a soul yeah. to guide them although again the soul canon is very very messy within the Buffyverse as well so uh, you know the role of the soul in making somebody feel I mean yeah. the soul is basically the conscience you know um, yeah. and I guess without that you would just behave horribly no matter what And but you know he goes back to that wasn't her that was the demon which I think is is a little diluted oh, I think that's so what much he needs denial. to believe in order to be able but yeah like so much when denial. she comes back yeah. she expresses she expresses I mean very cruelly but she expresses a desire to have her own existence have her own life that isn't completely about this kid who yeah. she's been stuck with you know societally because she has nowhere else to go um, and we see that as evil that she's like, I don't want my entire life to be about you. Now, yes, she is very cruel in the way that she expresses it. And of course, trying to, you know, rape her son is also a whole other level of cruelty and evil. But um, but overall, like, you know, she's the good mother when her entire life is about this boy and not when it's not. Um, do you think I want to go all over Europe with you? You know, I finally have freedom and you want me to waste it on you. Yeah. You know, like that is kind of like an interesting idea. It's cruelly expressed. But at the same time, like, you know, mothers are expected to sacrifice everything of themselves for the children, you know, and that's just the the rule, you know, so. Uh, the idea that she wants her own life without having to run around killing people with her kid, you know, yeah. like, eh, yeah, 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 that she finally has a chance to, I don't know, go somewhere, yeah. and do some stuff, live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. when Spike says, unlike you, I had a mother who loved me back. Mm-hmm. I think that is about hurting Robin and being in denial much more than absolutely about anything else. Um, but but it- do you think it's textually though? Like it feels to me like the text is accepting that as a legit read. Oh, that that the that the show agrees with Spike that yes. Spike's mother loved him and that Nikki would and not love her son. Nikki did not. I think okay, Nikki is 
Nikki is fascinating to me. Oh God, Nikki's awesome. So yeah. there's that line she says when when we see her talking to mm-hmm. Robin when he's four, and she says, "I love you, but I've got a job to do." And it's that yeah. but that negates mm-hmm. everything before it. So mm-hmm. linguistically, mm-hmm. yeah, she does. I mean, linguistically, she is placing her job. At odds with loving him. Yeah. But she cannot love him and do the job yeah. that she has to choose one. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't believe that she doesn't love him. But yeah. I think the show is maybe, I think the show is maybe trying to thread that needle <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say mm-hmm. that Nikki was wrong to mm-hmm. do what she did. I don't know. I don't know. But it is is fascinating to me that with both of these, both of these characters, Mm -hmm. it's all about their mothers and their relationships with their mothers or their, their, oh, I was going to say stunted relationships with Mm -hmm. their mothers that they just, they, they just can't seem to get over that particular developmental stage. And the only way to do it Mm -hmm. is to punch and bite each other. (laughs) There is something. There is. Are there no therapists in Sunnydale? (laughs) There's something very, very um, American masculinity about this to me. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, the only way that we can access our feelings as Mm -hmm. dudes is by hurting each other. And then yeah. making it into a competition about whose mother loved them more. I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I really do. Um, but yeah, no, Nikki Wood, I think that, the, uh, first of all, placing this at odds that, you know, I love you, but. Yeah. You know, um, I, love I, you I love you and is one thing. And I love you, but is another. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea that she she loved him, but she didn't love him enough. You know, yeah, um, like that there there is that sense of that as opposed to she loved her son and she had shit to do. Oh, my God. Know? She had so much shit to do. She mm-hmm. had like so much shit to do. The th- so the thing about this episode is mm-hmm. I suddenly want to know everything there is to know about Nikki Wood. Yeah, she mm-hmm. is fascinating to me. I think she's one of the most compelling characters that has ever popped up on the show. Mm-hmm. And we get so very little of her because she really exists just as this, Mm -hmm. I don't know, not psychological MacGuffin for Robin to I don't know, Mm -hmm. after, you know, laying over Spike like a scrim so we can do this, you know, my mommy loved me more than your mommy drama. Mm -hmm. But she's fascinating. We open with this scene of her fighting in the rain mm-hmm. of course very dramatic with her literal child right there good yeah. lord did so mm-hmm. i'm like i'm watching this and i'm like wait okay so did she have a baby before being called or after what is a mm-hmm. slayer's pregnancy and childbirth experience like who is helping oh her beside her you mm-hmm. know besides her watcher because she's not getting paid to be a slayer wait is her uterus super strength too could she just like do one grunt and shoot that baby across the room? I mean, I Maybe. mean, if slayers are super strong, right? 
The uterus I is mean, a all muscle. of their muscles. <laughs> the uterus is a muscle. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is it mm-hmm. a muscle? I mean, it has muscle. It is a muscle. It's an organ. It's a muscle. It's a muscular organ. I love and I love that all of the healthcare professionals who may be listening are like, "Oh my god!" Are like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Shut up. Yes. If anybody wants to send us all oh my the god. reasons why we are completely wrong about this, by no, no, all means, no, 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 do. No. We'll read Tell it on the show. me all about Slayer pregnancy. I want to know everything. Exactly. If Give you me Slayer pregnancy. Super strong and super good at healing. Oh my mm-hmm. god! Was that just like the most easy, pleasant, enjoyable pregnancy imaginable? God, I hope so. Anyway, oh yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. so we have this young mother, yeah, who is the Slayer, and as we have established, right, Slayer, there's not like mm-hmm. benefits that yeah. come with being a Slayer. Slayer is all drawbacks. So, so she's got a kid. She's got to have a full time job. Yeah, yeah. And she she's got to kill everything. She has a child to support. Yeah. Did she also have a job? I'm guessing, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who the, and like, or Crowley took care of them, I guess, the watcher. I don't know. I mean, yeah, but like, is she, like, where is her health insurance? That child needs, mm-hmm. to, I mean, doctor visits. And like, I'm just immediately in like, yeah, parenting mode with this, this mm-hmm. young woman. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not to, not to, uh, <laughs> not to go down that rabbit hole, but also she's, a young black mother and that carries mm-hmm. a huge weight in the world that you know she would not yep. have to carry otherwise like this woman is unbelievably complicated and in mm-hmm. unbelievably complicated situations and I'm like what holy shit holy shit like yeah. she has no choice but to take this child to mm-hmm. work with her work for which she is not getting paid i don't know i don't know mm-hmm. she's no it's yeah it's fascinating and if you bring this if you bring her back to the version of her that we saw in fool for love mm-hmm. right that every slayer has a death wish at what point did all of this become just too much i mean with spike right mm-hmm. did she give up because she just didn't want to fight anymore and if she did can you blame her i mean, I mean- can you blame her for being fucking tired? Yeah. Yeah. To be a to be a single parent, a black mm-hmm. woman, and mm-hmm. the slayer. <laughs> Not getting paid. Fuck yeah. that noise. So hard. It is a fucking pile of shit yeah. to deal with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I did I I did a quick, you know, Buffy fandom search because mm-hmm. You know, I am not a I am not a comics co- I am not a a comic books reader reader of comic mm-hmm. books. There's got to be a better mm-hmm. way to say that. Um, but mm-hmm. in On Your Own Part One, the sixth issue of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer season nine comic book series, we get a little bit more information about Nikki. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I may have to check that out and read it, uh, despite having a very hard time reading and following graphic novels because. Right. Mm-hmm. A pregnant slayer is Noelle Catnip. And yeah. apparently in that story, we get to we get a little bit more information about Nikki and what was going on with her. Apparently, when she did her, you're the slayer, you're 18, we're gonna sedate you and make you fight a very dangerous vampire trial. Mm-hmm. She was pregnant already. Yeah. Which, you know, lovely, lovely. Yeah. But we don't we don't get any of that here. We just see this mm-hmm. this young woman with her child out in the rain and 
what I find so fascinating about Nikki in this episode, what we see in this episode Mm -hmm. is that while Spike suggests that she loved her calling more than she loved her son, I don't think that's what we see. I mean, I've already talked Mm -hmm. about the, I love you, but I have a job to do Mm -hmm. to my eye. She is another working parent doing her absolute best in a terrible situation. Yeah. And the Mm -hmm. fact that we're going to try to spin that at all to make her some kind of villain. Yeah. Is super, super problematic. Also, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Robin Wood should fucking know better. He was four (laughs) years old. Yeah. He was four. Mm -hmm. Your view of your parents when you're four Mm -hmm. is... I mean, by necessity, so intensely, oh, what, one direction? Like, he can't, he could not possibly understand her life. He couldn't understand Mm -hmm. her as anything other than his mother. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to, he wouldn't have to. But as an adult, I feel like this is one of the gifts and secrets of adulthood, being able Mm -hmm. to take several steps back and go, okay, I didn't get what I needed when I was four or whatever, Mm -hmm. or yes, my mother was killed when I was four, but Mm -hmm. I can see with my very smart adult brain and adult perspective and regular therapy sessions that my (laughs) mother was a human being Mm -hmm. working under intense, impossible circumstances. I don't know. I don't know. I well, don't... I don't think he's mad at his mother, though. He's mad at Spike for taking his mother, for murdering his mother. Like, that's where the focus seems to be for Robin. Which like, is uh, Spike is so saying this stuff about your mother didn't love you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's also, it's so, it's, I don't know. It's so misdirected. Like, yes, this, this vampire took his mother away from him. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't know. Having said all that, I think I'm just irritated with, Robin for not doing more of his own processing like a goddamn adult. (laughs) Right. Working through it with a therapist like an adult. Like an adult. Um, And like, and absolutely, like, absolutely, that would be hugely traumatic to be not just in a room with Spike, but being expected to work with Spike. Yeah. In like a positive, yay, he's here. He's going to help the mission. Mm -hmm kind of vibe when of course the mission is right what ostensibly took robin's mother away from him i don't know it's see i love it it's intensely complex and also annoying but i love it but But also Um, it's because robin does this spike was not de-triggered by the magical stoneworm spike was de-triggered by robin doing this this whole big fucking fight is therapy for both of them, right? It gets it all out. You know? Oh my god. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's nuts. Um and I love like Spike in this, I find I love Spike. He's so complicated. He's so interesting. But one of the things that I really love about him is how he doesn't feel guilty for things like he feels shame but not guilt and you know the the mm. distinction uh, i believe the, i pull this from Brene brown's work is that guilt is feeling bad for what you do and shame is feeling bad for what you are for who you are mm-hmm. um and i think that spike has a, a, a lot of shame 
because he is a monster. He's not a man. And once he got his soul, he understood that even more than he did when he was, you know, just a vampire without a soul and had a chip. Um, but he did what he did because he was a vampire. He understands that he didn't have control over that. He doesn't hold himself responsible for it. When he talks about who his mother is, you know, he says she was, you know, that was the demon talking, not her. At the same time, like, he knows from the experience of being a vampire that that is who he is, that he is that guy. Like, you know, how how does his, he splits his identity, the identity for his mom, but doesn't really for himself. And I think that is all complicated discussion as well that we don't have in this episode. Um, but instead of beating himself up about what's done, what's in the past, he just decides to pick up and move forward and try not to be that thing anymore. And I find that really mm -hmm. refreshing. Like um, Angel was constantly brooding about the past, about what he's done, about how there is no redemption, but he keeps doing the right thing anyway, because what else are you going to do? Right. You're here. You might as well. And I actually really like that. I mean, that line from Epiphany and Angel, um, if nothing we do matters, all that matters is what we do. That is a line that has changed my entire life philosophically. Like it is the linchpin of, of when I struggle. I go back to that idea all that matters is what we do, you know? Um, and so we have Angel and Spike kind of as two sides of the same coin. Um, they are both about what you do now as opposed to what you did then, but they come at it from different angles. Angel doesn't let it go. Spike does. And for me, that's a nice contrast. Like, I don't want another angel here. A different take on a vampire with a soul is really, really good. Um, and for anyone who hasn't watched the Angel series, I really recommend if you've tried and bounced off, I did a podcast called Still Dead with Dr. Kelly Jones, where we tell you which episodes you can skip and still get the basics of the story. Um, there are a lot of bad episodes. There are a lot of skippers in there. Uh, but there is an episode in season five called Damages that is dark and terrifying and so great. So if you enjoy the spike angel consequences of a vampire with a soul thing, it is worth watching all of Angel for that episode alone, or at least the Watcher episodes, the skippers you can skip. Again, go to Still Dead. You'll find that whole list there and uh, and you can watch through it. Um, but back to this episode and Spike now, I like the way that he let Robin live and then says, but I won't mm -hmm. do it again. Like next time I will mm -hmm. kill him. He so much as looks at me funny, I will kill him. Um, and I also like the fact that this episode is walking us through trauma triggers and resolving them. Like he processes this whole thing. Now it's not that simple or quick in real life, but what's great about fiction is that it distills experience down to something you can absorb in one story and then come back to it again and again and again to process your healing. That's one of the awesome things about story. And again, as I always say, fiction is not answerable to reality. It is answerable to truth. And this is the truth of it. It doesn't, it's not that short and quick, but processing your trauma, they have you go back and tell your story again until you understand it until you can process it. Um, and that is part of the therapeutic process. So while we say like these men aren't having therapy, they're kind of having therapy. Well, yeah, they kind of are. And it's funny as much as it's an episode about dudes who need therapy. Yeah. It's also like an episode about how to, how dudes do therapy yeah. because, mm -hmm. you know, Giles, Giles with the exposition yeah. talking about the stone, he says, stone's just a catalyst. The rest is up to spike. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, Okay, so they are doing therapy. There you like, go. you know, how many how many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> Just one, but the light bulb really has to want to change. You know, like, <laughs> Spike has to like the rest is up to Spike. Yeah. Spike has to get there. Mm -hmm. 
And he did. It's, he he yeah. took Robin Wood punching him in the face repeatedly to do it, you know, but it got him yeah. there, you know? Extremely fight club. Extremely, so fight club. So very yeah. fight club. So very fight oh club. God. Yeah. yeah. I love this episode for teaching me how to be a man. That's what I love about this episode. <laughs> well, something else I absolutely love in this episode, which we get for just a brief glimpse, but oh my God, it is so amazing. God bless Juliet Landau. Drew has done a lot of delightful things through the run of Buffy and Angel, but I think the understated gorgeousness of you want to bring your mom with us might be my favorite that might be my absolute favorite that and the little chuckle the, the laugh the <laughs> laugh the subtitles call it a chuckle but I'm like no 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 it's this I can't I mean yeah I tried to do it at the top of the show I yeah can't. it's, it's so, good. so good it's so good mm-hmm. I want to know, this is another one of those moments where I want to know what was on the page in the script, Mm -hmm. because whatever it said, whether it had her laugh there or not. Yeah. Oh, my God. Whether it did or not, her, the way she did it was freaking genius. Juliet Landau is a treasure. Every minute that she plays Drew is so layered in so many different things. She just does an amazing job. And the Drew and Spike makeout choreography mm-hmm. on the show is as good, if not better, oh. than the fight choreography. Yeah. And I will stand by that. <laughs> it is fantastic. Um, I also like, I like Buffy here. We have Buffy too at the end. The mission is what matters, right? So we're coming back around to that. Now, Buffy is not a mother, but she has Dawn. You know, mm-hmm. as like yep. her her younger sister, as the the child that she is responsible for raising. So there is kind of a mother, you know, reflection there. Um, and we have this conversation with her and Giles while Giles is distracting her, where he says, "If you were faced with the same choice that you were faced with with Glory, you would let Dawn die." And she says, "Yeah, to save the world, I would let Dawn die." I wonder if that's true. Is it because she knows after having been dead for, you know, now a significant period of time, the first time she died, it was just for a couple of minutes, right? Uh, But now Mm -hmm. that she's been dead for a while and knows that it's better than here, she wouldn't be as hesitant to let Dawn die. Um, I I don't know that I believe that. Do you believe that? Does that make sense to you? I, in the moment, I believe Mm -hmm. it. I don't know if face, I believe in the moment, I believe her when she says that. And I believe that she believes it. Mm-hmm. I think faced with the situation, mm-hmm. it might be a different story. But I do think that Buffy, I do think that Buffy has come around on some of us are going to die. And I think part of what's going on mm-hmm. in all of her speeches is she is trying to make peace with that. Yeah. Because, you know, as you say, Buffy is all about protection. Mm-hmm. Well, she's now in a situation where she cannot protect everybody. Yeah. She really cannot. It is not possible. So part of her, part of her struggle mm-hmm. where she needs to go to therapy is that <laughs> you really can't save every single mm-hmm. person around you. And she's, coming to terms with that i think in a real way yeah um you just have to save the most people right yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. the it doesn't it's you can't you can't make a difference for everyone Mm -hmm. but the difference that you make for the people who survive Mm -hmm. matters yeah and she's i mean it seems to me like that's kind of where she's headed Mm -hmm. but i don't know i don't know if in the same situation 
she would let Dawn die. I don't know. I, I don't. Maybe. I don't. I don't know. Like it seems weird, and I guess like she has changed. She's been through a lot, you know. Dawn also is older and not as young and innocent and whatever. Although she's still, you know, she's what seventeen, maybe now sixteen, something like that. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's. I, it doesn't ring right to me. None of this stuff with Giles and Buffy works for me. And the thing is that, like, I, I do love the idea of the conflict between them. I love the philosophical conflict. I don't like that he is distracting her while Robin kills Spike behind her back. That is a betrayal. Mm-hmm. It is one thing for him to sit down with her and be like, hey, Spike is a danger. Here are all the reasons why. And to have that, like, that that conflict of philosophy and approaching this and her being like, Hey, eventually you're going to have to learn to trust me. If I tell you, this Mm -hmm. is what I need and this is what I need, you know? Um, So I like that, but the way that they do it with Giles betraying her um, with him in cahoots with Robin, who is killing for vengeance, which is something that if anybody came to Giles at any other point in the series and says, Uh Hey, I would like to vengeance murder somebody. Giles would sit them down and be like, Hey, there's a splashback to vengeance. Here's the stuff. He would be looking out for the person coming to him for what is best for them. And I don't think that Giles has ever been the kind of person to be like, yeah, that vengeance murder is absolutely a okay. Like, I don't think that's who Giles is. Um, So we've got this Giles that is basically becoming a conflict vending machine. Now that Joyce is dead, we need another one. So we've made Giles into that. And I don't care for it. I don't like it. I like him and Buffy fighting. I like them having a different philosophical outlook on it. But I think that his behavior and his choices here are inconsistent with the Giles that I fell in love with a long time ago. Well, he definitely there. He definitely reads as kind of a sinister, yeah. bad teacher mm-hmm. kind of a, a guy mm-hmm. now in this like I. I tried to talk to her about this because Giles has expressed concern yeah. about mm-hmm. Taking, you know, removing Spike's chip yep. and this choice that Buffy made and, you know, letting Spike. I like his concern. You know, hang around. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I like the concern mm-hmm. and I like that he does raise those questions. But then he decides it's almost like he decides on his own that, well, she's never going to listen right. to reason on this. So I need to go behind her back. And I don't know that he's supporting robin's vengeance killing so much as he giles he giles mm-hmm. wants spike wants out of spike the out of it yeah. he's like okay here's somebody else here's here is another man who agrees with me <laughs> right. let's do that you know let's like, be men it, and murder people it yes it does mm-hmm. it feels like it feels to me as though in this again mm-hmm. in this like very sinister professor sort of way yeah. giles has made up his mind mm-hmm. about buffy and has decided that Buffy doesn't know what she's talking about right. or that she hasn't carefully mm-hmm. considered everything that she's doing yeah. and just decides, well, okay, well, I'm going to make the decision for her mm-hmm. rather than acknowledging the decision that she's made. Right. Rather than and, speaking and his rather mind. Than acknowledging it. Yeah. Yeah, rather than acknowledging it and considering that, oh, maybe she has fantastically good reasons mm-hmm. for making the decisions that she's making. Showing at this her point. that respect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he defaults to 
it's like, I'm not your watcher anymore, but actually I still am. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you what to do. Right, right. Um, I also really super hate the way that he talks to her when he's distracting her. So like, it's bad enough that he is, yeah. um, that he is betraying her and lying to her in this moment. But then he starts playing these, you know, mind games. Your life is chaos. It's a mess. You can't even run your own life. You think you can make these decisions, little girl? Like that kind of shit is, you know, like from the the abuser's playbook. Like that is what abusers do so that you question yourself and you don't focus on them. And seeing Giles do that to Buffy um, just it hit me really hard. You know, I just absolutely was was devastated by Giles doing that. That bugged me. This whole thing bugged me a lot. It felt like a huge betrayal of who Giles is. Um, completely inconsistent with, with the character. And you can have this conflict and be genuine, but they were just ramping it up. They were playing this for the conflict's sake, not for the characters, not for what actually made sense. And I don't like any of that. Yeah, and he's willing to jeopardize his relationship Mm -hmm. with Buffy to get Spike killed yeah like that's weird too Mm -hmm. because even if he's saying these things you know to distract her it's still a manipulation yeah you know he could be if he's putting this on as a way of you know keeping her away from Robin and Spike Mm -hmm. It's still like that's still shitty. It Whether he sucks. believes this or not, all the way around, it sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, so okay, so so Spike's death is more important to Giles than Giles's relationship with Buffy. No. It that's fucking Never. weird, man. Yeah, that, no, it's bad. It sucks. It's terrible. I hate it. Um, tell me your thoughts on the title here. Um, I hadn't really thought about this, but I think you have some interesting things to say. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I have questions about the title. Yeah. Um, I would be curious to know if it's a reference to James W. Lowen's 1995 book, Lies My Teacher Told Me. Mm-hmm. I would believe that it might be considering how much discussion we get of learning and knowledge and where it comes from in this episode, especially from Giles. Yep. So Lies My Teacher Told Me, Everything Your American History Textbook Got Wrong critically examines 12 popular American history textbooks and concludes that what they're calling history is really Eurocentric white supremacist mythology. Yeah. Surprise! Hey, and, you know, and hats off. This is 1995. Hats off to <laughs> like Lowen for being ahead of his time on that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love for that to feel dated. Like, I would love yeah. for something like that to feel dated. The fact that that does not, mm-hmm. that we're this still, is still new, a new idea. Yeah, yeah. For a lot of people. Yeah. Surprise, mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah. But... Giles, so we have Giles like railing against the new library mm-hmm. being more computers than books. Yeah. And he says, knowledge comes from crafted bindings and pages, Buffy, not ones and zeros. Interesting, right? Because we know that books aren't problematic or biased ever. Right. And that know? the form in which the knowledge is delivered is significant to totally. the knowledge, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah because, you know, it's not like knowledge comes from lots of places. Mm-hmm. And God damn it, I should have pulled Dr. Kelly Jones in on this I one. I know, that how great would that be? Literally, <laughs> literally her, her field of expertise. Yes. Um, but, and then Giles's excuse for taking Buffy out to train in the midst of everything. Adept as you are as a slayer, there are always new things to learn, mm-hmm. which 
okay, whatever. But after this whole thing about like where the knowledge comes from, Mm -hmm. so the knowledge comes from Giles ostensibly in this situation. Let me see. Is the white British man trying to control the access to knowledge and understanding for everybody else? Is that a thing that's happening here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a weird thing. Feels that's I don't know. Feels a little familiar. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wild, wild. It's very much. I mean, Giles trying to control the knowledge, control the narrative, and not just not just control it, but say what counts as knowledge and learning. Yep is really Uh, interesting yeah real interesting and ultimately buffy concludes i think you've taught me everything i need to know and literally closes the door on that student teacher relationship at the end of the episode yeah so maybe this is lies my teacher told me well yeah Um, except giles has always been a father figure for her we've had them actually textually acknowledge remember something blue she's like you know my own father is a loser i want you to walk Mm -hmm. me down the aisle um so there is a very real father daughter I am prouder of you than any fa- any father could be you know we've had that kind of thing between Giles yeah. and Buffy before so when we talk about lies my parents told me um, we are talking about all of the lies you know including Giles and Buffy yeah yeah and I mean regardless of where the title comes from mm-hmm. or like what it might have been inspired by it is interesting considering the relationships we actually see on screen and hear discussed, mm-hmm. right? It's biological fathers are entirely missing from the conversation. Yes. Mm-hmm. None of the central characters, Spike, Robin, and Buffy, has parents, plural. Right. We have three dead mothers, mm-hmm. three absent fathers, and one, you're not the watcher of me, work dad. <laughs> And then Robin tells Giles, I was raised by a watcher, mm-hmm. which again, like, where's that whole story? Exactly. That kid had and an where interesting is that childhood. Dude? Right? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Where's that dude? So Buffy and Robin both have these work dads mm-hmm. who are, you know, father figures, parent figures, yeah. but also watchers with this very specific role. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like that Giles knows the names and the history of the Slayers and their Watchers. There's something here about the Watchers Council Mm -hmm. as a parent figure too. And that's not new to this episode, but it's definitely kind of floating in the subtext Mm -hmm. there of the title. But I think it's interesting that it's parents, Mm -hmm. plural, when the individual folks whose parent relationships we're looking at Mm -hmm. have really have parent Mm -hmm. singular yeah interesting i don't know what to do with that other than just the title hmm. is yeah exactly and sometimes (laughs) "Hmm, that's a thing yeah sometimes that's all you get it's just like hmm okay that's interesting yeah yeah i like that all right noelle so lies my parents told me what's your favorite part oh my gosh Mm -hmm. i mean we've talked about this i love nikki wood Mm -hmm. like crazy um i have complicated feelings about the fact that she's double cast yeah mm-hmm. but i kind of is okay because it's so, a different actor playing her in fool for love as opposed to this episode mm-hmm. yes yeah in fool for love um april whedon no relationship to joss whedon yeah, different spelled differently different spelling, yeah. but it's mm-hmm. yeah april whedon plays nikki in fool for love and katie albert plays her mm-hmm. in first date and here in lies my parents told me and on the one hand, there's always something 
about recasting a role that feels kind of shitty mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. <laughs> but on the other hand, I kind of love the idea that the woman who talks to her son is literally a different person yeah. from the woman who fights vampires. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a complexity that this episode tries to, mm-hmm. I think, demonize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one we don't often get to see in people and especially mothers. Yeah. I think many of us experience ourselves as different people at different times in our lives mm-hmm. or even different people at different times in our days, depending on what yeah. our role is mm-hmm. in any given situation. Um, so, you know, I'm always here to make a meaning mountain out of a production <laughs> molehill, but like, I like but it. Nikki Wood, yeah. yeah, Nikki Wood in this episode, Nikki Wood just, just as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know if that can count as a favorite part, but I don't know. I love, I also love, love Spike saying, I killed a lot of people's mothers. Yeah. He would, because of course he's talking about his own mother yes. as well. Mm-hmm. He killed his own mother. Oh, it's so good. Oh it's so God. good. I love yeah. it. I love this episode. I love it. Yeah. But for me, I think it's, it's the fight, the fight with Robin and Spike. I love the choreography of it. I love the way we have these two men working through their very complicated mommy issues, you know, together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and of course, like, I, but maybe, maybe it needs to be Robin Woods, like, you know, old iMac. I don't know. It's, it's, it's all of these things together. It's all of these things together. I love all of it. I love that the computer is practically a character in that scene. For me, yes. Yeah. Well, like, oh, like the meaningful close-ups on the click of the mouse. I mean, come uh-huh. on. Uh-huh. Come on. And iTunes. Yeah. That it has iTunes. iTunes. The idea that iTunes exists in my world and in Buffy the Vampire Slayer just cracks me up. I just love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, follow at Chipperish on Twitter and use the hashtag still pretty. Or as a Patreon supporter at any level, you can join the Chipperish Discord group and chat live with other listeners and the hosts. Hey, did you know we have a new podcast from Chipperish Media? It is called Endless, and it covers the Sandman comics and eventually, when it comes out, the TV show, hosted by me and DC Comics editor Elisa Quitney. Search for Endless Sandman in your podcast app of choice. Also, Patreon supporters who chip in at $10 and up get to attend show recordings live with chats before and after the show. So if you haven't pledged your support yet, now's the time. Speaking of supporters, this episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chipperish Media producers who support us on Patreon at the Power Producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to Abby, Alice, Christina, Erica, Jonathan, Kevin, Kristen, Michael, Rose, Sarah, Shelley, Stephania, and Stephanie. And this week's special message for our Power Producers love the code <laughs> while you're waiting for the next episode of still pretty here are some things you can do write a great review on apple Podcasts. tell your friends about the show or give him a pass let him live on account of the fact that you killed his mother we will be back next time with dirty girls the 18th episode of season seven until then spike's got some sort of get out of jail free card that doesn't apply to the rest of us i mean he could slaughter a hundred frat boys and <laughs> forgive just makes us human <laughs> blah 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 blah